Welcome to the Liberty Leadership and Lies with Larry Linton podcast, coming to you from the Goat Locker Studio in Sevierville, Tennessee. Be sure and check us out and like us on Facebook and Instagram, and follow us on Telegram, as well as on the website of libertyleadershipandlies.com. You can subscribe to notifications on the website to follow the blog there. If you would like to contact the show, just send an email to Larry at libertyleadershipandlies.com. Again, that is Larry at libertyleadershipandlies.com. Now, on to the episode. Liberty. Each day, it seems that it slips further and further away from us, doesn't it? It has been slipping through our grasp so gradually that we don't even notice it now. In fact, large swaths of our republic are so comfortable with their loss of liberty that they are actively encouraging more of us to do the same, to lose it, to give it up. Government, businesses, neighbors. brings to mind a quote by G. Michael Hoff in one of his books that states, Hard times create strong men. Strong men create good times. Good times create weak men. And weak men create hard times. In his book, titled Those Who Remain, there is this, quote, We don't defeat our enemy by giving him a platform to spread the very propaganda they hope will defeat you. You can only have freedom and liberty when others want that for you. When the other side only uses freedom with the hopes of destroying it later once they are in charge, it's time to shut them down. They will use our Constitution as long as they need to until they get the power, then watch them trash it. Oh, so prescient. And while that comes out of a work of fiction, how true is it right now? How long has our very own government subverted our Constitution for the purpose of robbing us of our liberty, robbing us of our freedom? As I put together the notes for this week's episode, I went to the congress.gov website to look up certain pieces of legislation, and it piqued my curiosity for the number of pieces of legislation. And did you know that as of this week, in the 117th Congress, which began on January 3rd, 2021, Congress has introduced more than 12,750 pieces of legislation. That's nearly 13,000 bills in both houses of Congress, and nearly 6,000 of the ones introduced in the House of Representatives has this as their constitutional authority statement. And I quote, Congress has the power to enact this legislation pursuant to the following. Article 1, Section 8. Nothing else. No specifics given. Ever. Why? I mean, no specific clause is ever given. Just the blanket Article 1, Section 8. There are 18 different clauses in Article 1, Section 8. The enumerated powers. Are those people in Congress too stupid to list the specific authority the Constitution gives them to enact a piece of legislation? Well, I would say they aren't stupid at all. But they are banking on the lack of intellectual curiosity of the American people to question them on their legislation. They bank on our apathy. Why? Well, I stated it last week, 
and it's becoming the new mantra of this show. It's because our government hates us. Nearly 13,000 pieces of legislation this year, so far this year alone. If I were a betting man, I would be willing to wager that only a few people in Congress have read or will read the entire bills, and even fewer of them will understand them. I would also be willing to wager that an equally small percentage of the population has read or understand any of the bills. And you know who is betting on that fact? Congress is. They are betting that nearly every citizen will take Congress at their word, that they have the constitutional authority to pass the legislation because they put their generic, Congress has the power to enact this legislation pursuing to the following Article 1, Section 8, on each piece of legislation, no matter what that legislation states. I recently fired off another email to my representative, Congresswoman Harshbarger, who I actually believe entered office with the right intention, if she, and I asked her, if she or any member of Congress can expressly cite which clause in Article 1, Section 8 applies to each of the bills proposed. I sent a very detailed letter asking the exact question for the umpteenth time this week. I don't think I'll get a response, though. I still have not received any specific answers to my questions when I ask my two senators or Congresswoman Harshbarger very pointed questions in all of my correspondence. I'm up to more than 39 answers each from Senator Haggerty and Senator Blackburn. I'm averaging about one a week since this Congress was sworn into office on January 3rd. Now, mind you, I ask only simple questions that require simple answers, but they have become quite adept at non-answer answers. They must teach a class at their freshman orientation for every new senator and representative. And why? Why don't I get answers? Specific answers. Of course, we all know the answer to the why, by now. It's because our government hates us. Every action they take has the end result of eroding our liberty, no matter how much they pretty up the legislation. Even so-called Republicans. Now let's break it down. Let's start with our newest senator here in Tennessee, Bill Haggerty. He was elected in 2020 to fill the seat left by the retiring Senator Lamar Alexander, a milquetoast senator if there ever was one. So, but after being sworn in on the 3rd of January, how many pieces of legislation has he sponsored? Well, that'd be 143 bills. 143 bills and 235 calendar days. That's an impressive work ethic right there, don't you think? He has co-sponsored an additional 142 bills in the Senate. So, 285 bills sponsored or co-sponsored in 235 days. He must be tired from all of that reading, right? Now, the Senate, they don't have any rule that requires them to put a constitutional authority statement on their bills. I wonder why. I can only guess, but maybe they want to have plausible deniability and don't want to be handcuffed to a lie. Well, now let's look at the senior senator from Tennessee, the oath-breaker herself, Senator Marsha Blackburn. She's lagging behind the junior senator with the total number of bills sponsored, sitting at just 135. But, not to be accused of being an underachiever, though, she has signed on to co-sponsor 237 other bills. 372 total bills proposed or being considered or signed into law. 
How many of those bills do you think actually fall under the enumerated powers of Congress in Article 1, Section 8? Now, as I stated previously, I believe that Congresswoman Harshbarger entered elected office for the right reasons, and there is some anecdotal evidence to support that in the amount of legislation she has sponsored or co-sponsored. Again, at the time I put these notes together, she has only sponsored six bills and co-sponsored another 128 for a total of 134 bills. Now, that's a definite underachiever in the area of robbing us of our liberty as compared to her Senate colleagues for the state of Tennessee. Still, 134 bills is vastly too many pieces of legislation, which end result of each of it is robbing us of our sweat equity. Every bill, every single one of them, cost the taxpayers our sweat equity. Just putting ink on paper costs money. Who pays for that? We do. The staff that is needed to research it, who pays for that? We do. The administrative supplies, who pays for that? We do. The information technology equipment used, everything that is involved in writing a bill costs us money, and it's paid for through our labor. It is safe to say that every time any one of the new aristocracy says they are working on our behalf, it costs us, not them, money. And all of this is made possible by the single greatest tool created to rob us of our sweat equity, the 16th Amendment to the Constitution. With access to a perpetually refilling pool of income taxes, our Congress comes up with new and creative ways every day to drain us of our sweat equity. We would actually be better served by Congress if they took an entire year off without pay and laid off all of their staff. They are the true non-essential workers during global pandemics or otherwise. Actually, it is essential for us to make Congress non-essential. Anytime they are together, and regardless of political party affiliation, our liberty is eroded. Before we move on, I'd like to pause for a word from one of the supporters of this podcast. For all my listeners that live in the Hampton Roads area of Virginia, I want to give a huge shout out to one of my all-time favorite car mechanics and longtime good friend, Glenn Moser. He is a supporter of this podcast and the owner-operator of Professional Auto, located at 5900 Thurston Avenue, Suite Alpha, in Virginia Beach. Phone number is 757-962-0102. Not only is Glenn an extremely talented mechanic, but he is also a great American and a staunch supporter of our constitutional rights. My family and I relied on Glenn and Professional Auto for all of our vehicle needs when we lived in the Hampton Roads, Virginia area. Quality work at a fair price and service with a smile are what you will receive when you take your vehicle to Professional Auto. I encourage all my listeners there in the Hampton Rose area to look them up if your car needs work. Again, that is Professional Auto, 5900 Thurston Avenue, Suite Alpha in Virginia Beach, Virginia, and the phone number is 757-962-0102. Well, back to Liberty and... Just this week, we received the news that one of the vaccines has received FDA approval. Well, now, that's kind of iffy, too. I have read the FDA letter that was released on the 23rd of August, and 
throughout it, it just keeps stating that reissuing the emergency use authorization is necessary. If it's a full approval, why do they keep saying emergency use authorization is necessary? Why would there be language in that document about reissuing that emergency use authorization if the FDA was giving full authorization of the vaccine? What the letter does say the FDA approved is the biologics license application that was submitted. Strange. But what about government word salad isn't strange. It only makes sense if we know that our government lies to us because our government hates us. Imagine my shocked face right now. Well, I put up a link on the blog to the FDA letter along with a screenshot of the applicable paragraph that has the word approved in it. Go ahead, read it. Let me know what you think. But now, why would there be no effort to clear up the confusion created by this letter? Maybe, just maybe, it's because all of the mini tyrants out there are touting the vaccine approval as removing the last obstacle to mandating everybody take this vaccine, regardless of people's individual feelings about it. The greatest groupthink exercise in the history of the world has been placed in motion now, months ago, but it's reaching a crescendo. Liberals and sheep in general are celebrating in the streets and all over social media. They think, mistakenly of course, that the only reason a lot of people are hesitant about taking this vaccine was because it wasn't fully approved by the FDA. Like, we really trust the government. You cannot blame them for thinking that way because liberals, more often than not, have zero critical thinking skills. But let's go back to that quote-unquote approval, though. With that approval news came reports that now we are closer to a nationwide vaccine mandate. Mandates. Really. How far we have fallen as a republic of free people. All because people in this country have gone soft. Living in a republic based upon individual liberty, most of us have grown comfortable with the government eroding those liberties every day. And it's maddening to see. All over the place, I see people quite comfortably giving up freedom for the chance, no matter how small, of just being left alone. I always like to go back to that liberal rally cry of my body, my choice. It has been their mantra for decades. Well, unless, of course, there's a pandemic, then it's your body, the government's choice. I have many objections to taking this vaccine. And I have explained them before, but humor me now because there are some liberals in the audience that need to hear things four, five, ten, thirty times for it to have a remote chance of getting through their thick skulls. Explaining things over and over again is often necessary because they often have the intellectual capacity of a goldfish. I have received many vaccines during the course of my life. Many of them was as a child where the decision was made for me by my parents based upon the evidence presented to them at the time. I also have received a lot of vaccines during my 30 years on active duty in the Navy. The vaccines I received had all of them undergone much more rigorous and much more long-term testing than the current vaccines for COVID have. I mean, let's face it, how can there be any long-term testing of a vaccine that is less than one year old? How irresponsible is it to force people to take a vaccine that has a grand total of zero long-term studies? 
That doesn't matter to liberals, though. They believe everything the government tells them. Hey, how's that government war on poverty going? Do we still have poor people? Hmm. How's that government war on drugs going? Do we still have an opioid epidemic? Hmm. And now with Afghanistan falling into the terrorist hands again, but better armed this time, how is that government war on terror going? I digress, though. Anything that comes from a government that proposes thousands of pieces of legislation in a matter of eight months has to be the sole source of truth and enlightenment, right? The sheer number of bills they propose must mean they are working hard for their constituents, right? Never mind the fact they don't even read them. So for me, objection number one is there is no complete studies done on this experimental vaccine. And I don't care what you tell me, vaccines go through rigorous testing. You cannot have a long-term study on a vaccine that is less than a year old. If long-term studies prove its effectiveness and no serious side effects or side effects at all, I might consider taking it. However, at this point in time, there are way too many anecdotal adverse effects being reported about this vaccine, all three of them. And I'm a person with a compromised immune system. I have to be really careful of what I inject into my body. I'm just now recovering from an adverse side effect from an approved medication that has significantly impacted my quality of life. Why would anyone wish that I inject myself with something that could quite possibly cause a person like me in the same situation to have more severe serious adverse effects? Well, they want to do it because it satisfies their personal desires and to hell with my concerns. That sounds awfully selfish though, doesn't it? Isn't that what they're accusing me of being? Selfish for not taking the vaccine? Doesn't matter to a liberal though. Well, reason number two for not taking this vaccine is my right of conscience. I will voluntarily take a well-researched vaccine that isn't made using aborted fetal tissue. Each of us have our own rights of conscience. This right of conscience is given to us by our Creator. It isn't some outdated civil liberty, as I'll discuss later. Our right of conscience, I think, is best captured in the state of Tennessee's Constitution, which is deemed by Thomas Jefferson as the least imperfect of all constitutions, where it states in Article 1, Section 3, that all men have a natural and indefeasible right to worship Almighty God. For all you uh, atheists out there, that's capital A, capital G. That separation of church and state doesn't exist. But anyway, we all have an indefeasible right to worship Almighty God according to the dictates of their own conscience. That no man can of right be compelled to attend, erect, or support any place of worship or to maintain any minister against his consent. That no, here's the important part, pay attention, that no human authority can, in any case whatever, control or interfere with the rights of conscience. Liberals hate that because they worship at the altar of government and want to force everybody else to worship at the same altar with them. They have turned government into their religion. But I am asserting my right of conscience to not be injected with a medication that is derived from the murder of a child, 
regardless of how far back in the past that murder was conducted. They are still made from cells cultivated and maintained that began life as a human child. That is my right as a citizen of the state of Tennessee and as a citizen of the Republic of the United States of America and as a child of God. Most people would like for that to not be the case, but it is. We, yes, even you liberals, we are still free citizens. So we're up to two reasons now that I won't submit myself to the vaccines currently. Number one, no long-term studies. Number two, my right of conscience. Number three, I think, is tied for the biggest reason. I believe the government has zero authority to force my participation in a medical treatment against my will. Government cannot deny me the liberty of deciding what goes in my body. This brings up another conundrum I have been discovering since the outset of this pandemic. It's another glimpse into the liberal mindset and how these people actually have zero principles. So there's this doctor in the private practice that I've known for many years. Both him and his wife are medical doctors and outside of their political beliefs are really good people and really nice people. I cannot say more than that or will clue people into their identities, and I don't wish them any ill will. Like I said, I genuinely like them and consider them friends. Anyway, this doctor, who specializes in the treatment of autistic children, used to be, well, maybe not in the anti-vaxxers camp of people, but he definitely wasn't pro-vaccine. He wouldn't prevent people from getting them, but he would never advise them to get them. It was a firmly held belief back in that time when we were more than just occasional acquaintances. You could say it was one of his principles, so much so that it guided the way he practiced medicine. So let's fast forward a few years until 2020-2021 and the COVID pandemic that has gripped the world. Do you think the good doctor has stuck to his principles regarding vaccines? After all, he was definitely not pro-vaccine especially of the well-established vaccines that were in general use for many decades. Well, now let's just apply that rule of thumb I've come up with for Democrats and principles. Their principles are as flexible as those red licorice Twizzler sticks. Twist them, bend them to fit the popular political narrative of the day. Firmly held beliefs be damned. He is now part of the crowd that wants everybody to take the vaccine never mind the potential for severe adverse effects. What is that liberal line when it comes to gun control? If it can save just one life, isn't it worth it? What about the one life that could be ended by an adverse reaction to the vaccine? No, that doesn't count. At least in the liberal mindset it doesn't because it is counter to their preferred narrative. The government said to take it so we all have to. This also reminds me of a discussion I was having just the other day with a friend, a fellow veteran, This is another person that swore an oath to protect and defend the Constitution of the United States of America. We've known each other going back for almost 30 years when we served together in the submarine force for the first time together in 1993. He stated, in defense of making these vaccines mandatory, that our civil liberties need to be updated. Updated? Yep, he seriously said that. So I asked him, hey, who gets to decide which liberties get updated and which ones don't? It was an entertaining conversation. For me, anyways, the back and forth. I'm always entertained by the machinations of the liberal mind. 
He couldn't answer the question about which ones, civil liberties that is, would be updated and which ones wouldn't, and who the ultimate authority on which ones would and which ones wouldn't would be. I know who the ultimate authority is. It's our creator. But often liberals cannot acknowledge our creator in this equation because it would do two things. One, it would show their hypocrisy in claiming to be a Christian but deferring to government authority all that falls under God's authority. Or, two, it proves that their unbelief is volitional and not based upon anything other than the fact they consider all life an accident and they're nothing other than meat robots. The conversation went on for a bit, diverging into many other liberal talking points and misinformation. He even said this, and it kind of blew me away, and I quote, Before the vaccine, everyone was dying. But since the vaccine, 95% of the deaths are the unvaccinated. Everyone was dying that got COVID? Proof positive there's a lot of misinformation going on about COVID. Let me give you a little surprise news here. I'm positive for COVID right now. I don't feel anything other than a mild cold. Am I dying? Well, according to this gentleman, before the vaccine came around, everybody that got COVID was dying. It's ridiculousness of the highest order. But apparently some website or news program is quite effective in selling their brand of fear to an unquestioning liberal. Let's go back to a statement now on outdated civil liberties. And he stated, and I quote, I will not let these outdated civil liberty policies outweigh my common sense and compassion for other human beings. Just what in the heck does that even mean? Outdated civil liberties and civil liberties mean you're not compassionate to people? That has nothing to do with civil liberties. That's how you are as a human. I'm sorry, but that was all pure nonsense. Then he went on into voting laws and AK-47s and M-16s on the streets. And when pressed for specifics, none were offered. They can't. I asked him specifically when he was ever denied the right to vote. Of course, he clarified, well, I was never denied the right to vote. I always got to vote, but there were some mean-looking people at the polling location. If mean-looking people suppress his votes, I must be guilty of that myself. Because voting is a serious business. I'm there to do my constitutional duty. And I'm not there to lollygag around and joke and have a good time. And everybody that does vote should approach it with that same attitude. But unless, of course, some liberal sees you, then you're suppressing their vote because you, you look mean. So as usual, when I pressed for the paragraph or article in any law that suppressed votes, he couldn't provide it. They always state, oh, you know what it is. I don't have to tell you to look it up. Yeah, I've looked up every one of those laws that the liberals are screaming about, and nothing in them suppresses a vote. It is sickening that the mind-numbing, dumbing down of the electorate, our government, and our media has been performing for decades. Here is this veteran claiming that requiring identification at the voting booth is somehow suppressing the vote on one hand and then on the other he wants everybody to provide proof of vaccination. How did we get here? We got here because our government hates us. Dividing and purposely misinforming people to pit us against each other. Let's pause for a word from another supporter of this podcast. 
Mrs. A.J. DePriest is the director of Proposal Logic. Proposal Logic is a woman-owned, minority-owned small business located just outside Nashville, Tennessee, serving federal contractors with proposal management and technical writing expertise. Since 2011, A.J. has served more than 150 federal contractors on proposals for more than 200 federal agencies. While average win rates for federal proposal developers rest around 35%, AJ finished 2020 with an astounding 100% win rate for her clients. So stop losing conventionally and start winning unconventionally. If you are a federal contractor and you are ready to win government contracts, contact AJ at 615-474-2123. Again, that is 615-474-2123. Or you can email her at aj at proposalogic.com. Again, that is aj at proposalogic.com. P-R-O-P-O-S-A-L-O-G-I-C dot com. Back to liberty. So, we have a Congress that is proposing or passing legislation at a rate of 56 bills a day for every calendar, not business day, they have been in session. And remember, every single one of them costs money. Our money. Almost every single one cannot cite specific Article One, Section 8 authority for its passage. It's an out-of-control Congress, working overtime, as judged by the number of bills they've been working on, to deny us our own sweat equity, our liberty. Then we have liberals with principles as firm as a Twizzler stick, bending whatever way that suits their purpose, which is to deny everybody else their freedom. To deny everybody else liberty. Then we also have the truly uninformed liberals that believe everything the government tells them is the gospel. Believing the lies that are told to entice them to voluntarily give up their civil liberties. The final piece we'll talk about today is the liberal tactic to shut down any argument. After all, freedom of speech only applies to speech they like and approve of. Several times now, I have been in discussions, or have been witness to discussions, that all follow the same pattern. A liberal will start out with a statement along these lines, I don't want to debate this, but here's what I believe. Or they'll say things like, I know you don't want to hear this before they tell you something you were, they were just sure you didn't want to hear. Then they shut down any further conversation. So they want to shut down all debate after beginning and ending the conversation with their point of view. They do not want to entertain any other point of view. Because when faced with the logic and facts, they shut down like the window's blue screen of death. That's like somebody walking into the middle of your living room, pulling down their drawers, leaving a big steamy pile of poop on your coffee table, and then walking away stating, hey, we're not going to talk about what just happened. For far too long, people on the right or the conservative side of the political spectrum have tried to be the polite person and not engage, acquiescing to the liberals' wishes so there won't be any arguments or bad blood. Well, that has to stop. It's maddening. I mean, would you really tolerate someone taking a dump in the middle of your living room and not doing anything about it? These people have been taking a dump in the middle of our political lives for decades. The time for being polite is over. If a liberal wants to take a figurative crap in your living room, 
you pick it right back up and you feed it to them along with a full measure of truth and logic. No more Mr. and Mrs. Nice People for the sake of avoiding arguments. Our republic, our way of life is at stake. If these liberal monsters are allowed to go any further, it will just speed up the big snap. I am telling you, I am absolutely tired of it. So all of you liberals out there, you big government statists that are intent on robbing me and mine of our liberties, I will always allow you to show your true colors because it identifies you for the day of reckoning. And not the reckoning of our creator, but the reckoning of a free people who have sat silently by while you have been working overtime to rob us of our liberty. Before we close the show, I would like to leave you with this from God's Word. 2 Corinthians three seventeen. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. People have been conditioned to rely on government, foregoing the Spirit of the Lord, and now freedom is slipping through our grasp. Freedoms given to us by our Creator that have been taken for granted for so long we do not even realize that we are allowing them to slip away. What will the breaking point be for a once proud, freedom-loving, freedom-cherishing, freedom-fighting people? When will we all stop the encroachment? When will we all stand together and say, this tyranny ends now? When will we all stand together and replace a government that has been proven to hate us, both in words and in deeds? When will we fight to take it back? When will it end? Until next week, stand in the arena with me. Reveille, it's time to wake up.